the ideal solution is that everybody has their own node, but I just don't think that's realistic. And the software as it stands right now, the solutions we have right now, that is not feasible. Let's say you're very famous on Noster, okay? And you have a million sets now in your Albi wallet. How do you get those into your cold storage? If you want to send an email to me, you got to pay me some amount of Bitcoin. And it doesn't, you don't have to try to make money off this. You know, you could put it like, you know, 10 Satoshis just to, just to prevent bots from being able to reach you. Okay, you can open a support ticket with us, but you have to pay like 5,000 sets or $1 or something. Maybe people suddenly will, okay, maybe I'll look at the FAQ before I open a ticket if I'm going to have to spend $1. Our first 14 years is proving, is this a reasonable store of value? Well, we've been ripping upwards nonstop for 14 years straight. You know, I think that is clear. Now the question is, can we become a medium of exchange? UTXO is the founder of Nodeless, a product that lets merchants, fundraisers, and creators accept Bitcoin and Lightning payments without running a node. Now in our conversation, we got into how UTXO's past work on BTC Pay server led him to building out Nodeless, some of the benefits and trade-offs of using Nodeless, and we also got into emerging use cases for Lightning and Noster. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and if you learned something new, the best way that you can show your support for the show is by sending in sats over the Lightning Network. You can use any podcasting 2.0 app to do that. There are dozens of them out there, but my favorite one to use is Fountain. UTXO, thank you for joining me on the show today. I am excited to talk about Nodeless, what you're building. Um, but before we get into exactly what Nodeless is and what you're working on, why don't you first tell listeners a little bit more about how you discovered the Lightning Network and your journey towards building Nodeless? Sure. Thanks for having me, Kevin. I appreciate it. Um, so the idea for Nodeless came about two years ago when I started work on BTC Pay Server. So this is a project I absolutely love. It was the first open source project that I ever worked on. So it's very near and dear to my heart. So I was working on BDC Pay Server for two years, building out their um, software development kit. And during this time, I was also, you know, so excited about the project. I would go to my friends, people I know and say, hey, you should add BTC Pay Server to your store and stuff. And eventually, you know, I did get some people to sign up, but then I became the technical support person for them as well. And sort of just, in going through that process and seeing how, you know, quote unquote, normies deal with something like BTC Pay Server, it sort of became clear that it might be a little bit too difficult um, for people to do the node management, the hosting, understanding Tor, managing their liquidity, sort of that whole side of the fence. So that's where the idea of Nodeless came along. It's like, how can I give someone a BTC Pay Server-like experience, but pull out and abstract away all the node management, all the sort of um, finicky stuff that you have to know when you're running a Lightning node. So that's the sort of short story behind Nodeless. Mm. And when you were working on BTC Pay Server, did you have a sense for what people, what what types of merchants were attracted to BTC Pay Server, and which types were having difficulties, like? We talk about like online merchants or in person or different, um, you know, demographics and different like merchant types. 
Sure. So I can only speak to sort of what I've seen firsthand. And in my view, the vast majority of people who are running BTC pay server are already like pretty hardcore Bitcoiners. They're people who are comfortable running a node and they've like, they know BTC pay server through their being inside of Bitcoin circles, right? Like BTC pay server isn't exactly like marketed to, to the masses. Um, so that's sort of the people who are naturally attracted to BTC pay server. Now for me, I was sort of selling it to my friends and family and my network, people that I knew, but they weren't necessarily Bitcoiners. They just, they know I'm a Bitcoiner and I'm always sort of like shoving it down their throat. Um, so from that perspective, it sort of ran the gamut. I had SaaS companies doing it, clothing companies, and the theme was pretty much the same. And it was just that, you know, lightning was just too hard. So that part of VTC pay server was just, it was a little bit too much for people over time. And, you know, if they didn't have someone who was a lightning expert to like provide them support whenever their, you know, nodes ran out of inbound liquidity or something like this, uh, it's very difficult for them. And it ends up creating a negative experience with Bitcoin, you know, like those payments suddenly don't go through, they have upset customers. So that's kind of been my experience, you know, seeing both like Bitcoiners and regular folks using BTC pay server. So is it fair to say then that the BTC pay server audience is primarily is first a Bitcoiner and then a merchant? Like, like they almost identify as more of a Bitcoiner than they do as a merchant. Whereas my understanding of Nodeless, and we can get into this, is you you are kind of trying to appeal to folks who are first identifying as merchants and second identifying as Bitcoiners. Is that is that roughly correct? I think that's absolutely fair. And if any Bitcoiner asked me what is the best way to accept payments on a website, like for sure it's BTC Pay Server. Like that is the best non-custodial product by a mile. Um, but it comes with personal responsibility and a little bit extra knowledge and a little bit extra work, um, to have it working. So for somebody who you're just trying to, you know, they're a merchant, they don't know much about Bitcoin, but maybe they're open to the idea of accepting Bitcoin instead of having to tell them, okay, now you have to learn about nodes and liquidity and static channel backups and, all that stuff, you just have a product like Nodeless where, you know, just in a couple of clicks, you're just ready to accept Bitcoin payments just easily and not have to know anything about Lightning or node management. So I would say that's definitely correct. Like if you are a Bitcoiner, you should use BTC Pay Server. Um, but if you're just like getting started, you're learning about Bitcoin or you're a Bitcoiner and you want to introduce your friends to accepting Bitcoin without having them do so much work and having to explain all this complicated stuff about nodes, you can get them started on Nodeless and maybe as their orange pill digest, they can move on to something like BTC pay server. Right. Talk me through the timeline of events here from you working on BTC pay server to then realizing that you needed to build something else and that, that it didn't quite solve all of the problems that you saw in the world. Uh, what was that timeline like when you started a BTC pay server to to then deciding to go out and build Nodeless? Sure, I would say so. I've been working on BTC pay server for about two years now, and in the first year, I would just tell everybody to use it, and I was sort of like in a big echo chamber. You know, all the other Bitcoiners are like, "Yeah, it's the best." I thought it was the best. I'm working on it, investing my time into it. Um, 
so that was sort of like the first year. But in the second year, when I actually started seeing non-Bitcoiners use the product, and I'm the one providing support now, um, and people are coming to me complaining like, hey, you recommended this to me, and now I have this problem or that problem. That's sort of where the nodeless idea was was coming back to me is one, it's I'm I'm sort of managing nodes for my friends and family. You know, it's not much. It was like four or five different people. And now I'm managing their nodes. It would be great for me to just run one node and like host all my friends. So that was like sort of one idea. Um, but two, it was just this was making Bitcoin look worse than it was. You know, like Lightning is still kind of early. Um, and it is a technical protocol. Like it's not reasonable for every single person to 8 billion people to run a lightning node. Like that's not really how it's going to work. So kind of just piecing all of these together. How can, how could I contribute something that sort of bridges the gap, but can still maintain a Bitcoin standard? Like I'm not for doing custodial solutions. Um, so how can I, how can I build something that is, at least like the minimum amount of custody possible so that people don't have to actually run their own node, which was causing all the problems, you know, like BTC pay server itself, the software is amazing. And it, people never had a problem with the software. It was always managing the lightning node, which was the hard part. I see. Now this idea of being node less or not having a node, I think is going to immediately strike a lot of Bitcoiners as like almost a red flag. And it's going to be like, no, we we run nodes. We're Bitcoiners. We're we're gonna we're gonna verify everything. We're gonna we're gonna take control ourselves. What do you think of as the distribution of people when you look out into the future, and you think about uh, consumers and you think about merchants? What percentage of folks are going to need to run a node, and it should be thinking about running a node? And what percentage, or what kind of like what what certain classes of consumers or merchants may actually never need to touch a node and and may it may be in their best interest to not run a node. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, I can tell you in my ideal world, it's like Bitcoin and Lightning have advanced in such a way and they figured out something that I'm not smart enough to figure out where you can like run a node on a phone or like nodes just like spin up just to like process one transaction. Then they spin down. Like I don't I don't know. I think for sure the ideal solution is that everybody has their own node, but I just don't think that's realistic. And the software as it stands right now, the solutions we have right now, that is not feasible. So until we get there or until the protocol advances in such a way or hardware becomes so powerful that you know running nodes on mobile devices is super easy, we need sort of like this bridge where, because right now here's the other reality is there's only, I, the last I checked, it was like 19,000 lightning nodes um, on the lightning network right now. So, and I ran a, a previous project called bitcoiners.network, which was like, it helped you figure out um, how many people follow you or like, can I say shitcoiners on your show? Altcoiners? Sure. <laughs> How many people are shitcoiners versus Bitcoiners on your like Twitter followers? Um, so I know that just on Twitter alone, there are over 150,000 people with like Bitcoin in their Twitter profile. 
and yet there's only 19,000 nodes. So that means most Bitcoiners don't even run Lightning nodes. So now you're going to tell me like every single merchant is going to run one and every single person who wants to interact with Bitcoin is going to run a node when the vast majority of Bitcoiners themselves do not run one. So that's sort of what I'm seeing. Like I'm just observing. I would love for everyone to run nodes. I run many nodes myself. I recommend that if you're a Bitcoiner, like we need you. We need at least the Bitcoiners to be the like enforcers of the protocol. So at the very least, it should be Bitcoiners. Um, but as things stand right now, I I would like to see more Bitcoiners running nodes and not really like pushing normies to like right away be like, oh, you're not a Bitcoiner because you don't run a node. Or I don't think that that's productive. I think that's a journey and you don't start with running a node. You you eventually get there. Right. And I think maybe one one thing that strikes a lot of newcomers as a challenge is that when you say run a node, what you're saying to someone is spend a bit of money and get this thing that is going to offer some benefit to you potentially down the road. Maybe we're not really sure, but like you have to lay out a bit of cash up front, which you could otherwise have used to buy Bitcoin. And I think that strikes people. And it's the same with, you know, hardware wallets or signing devices. I think people immediately go, what I got to spend, I got to spend money to store my money or to manage my money. And, and I think there's a bit of a, a, prob, a marketing problem with that right now where we don't have a clear pitch for what exactly a node is going. Like, I want a really obvious instance where my node is incredibly important and I can't live without it. I think once we get those, it's a lot easier of a sell to say to someone, you need to run a node and here's why. Right. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen this, right? Like, so last year, Umbrals and Start9, Embassy OS, all these like Raspberry Pi based packaged nodes start coming into existence. And, you know, that's great. Bitcoiners are buying them and posting it on Twitter. I can't tell you at least half of these people didn't know that you're supposed to now use that node to validate your on-chain transactions. You know, like they're thinking this is just a lightning node and they don't even understand that that's how you're supposed to be accessing the blockchain. That's how you're supposed to be broadcasting your um, your transactions. So, like, I think a lot of people, they don't even know why having a node is important. Um, you know, especially, like, if you weren't there during, like, the block size wars and you didn't understand the power that having a node actually grants you, that, like, you are, you're basically, like, the Congress of Bitcoin is your rules. And the more people that are running that node, that's how you sort of, enforce consensus whereas miners are kind of like your muscle they're like the soldiers they're giving you security but the nodes are like the law so that's why node running in general for the network is important but it's important for an individual because like let's say you have a trezor hardware wallet let's just say or, or a ledger um, when you log into to ledger you're getting their nodes so they're seeing all your transactions they know who you are your addresses, your IP, um, you're relying on them. Sometimes their nodes go down. So, and if you broadcast the transaction, they might for some reason be like, you know, we're not going to broadcast your transaction because that's going to an address we don't like. So I don't know if there's instances that where that's happened, but that's possible when you rely on someone else's node. So if you run your own node, that's just impossible. None of those things can happen. You contribute to enforcing the law of Bitcoin, which is why it's important that at least Bitcoiners are running nodes. 
You know, if you have everyone doing it, maybe they'll be like, oh, you know, I want Bitcoin to be faster. So let's do bigger blocks. You know, like maybe it's not a good idea for everyone to run a node if that's how they're going to enforce consensus. So I would say like kind of all of that. Those are like sort of all my thoughts on on node running. Right. That's very helpful. And okay, so now let's let's step back and give people an understanding of Nodeless. What is the product? And maybe if we can, let's compare it to existing solutions in the world, such as BTC Pay Server, Open Node, Coinbase Commerce. Can we just get a lay of the land and talk about what Nodeless is and how it compares to those? Sure. So Nodeless is a payment gateway. It's like a payment platform to accept payments online in Bitcoin using either on-chain or Lightning. So we're trying to just make a very simple way for developers or e-commerce stores, people trying to raise money for their charities to be able to accept Bitcoin without much setup. Now, the landscape here, this is nothing new, you know, like this was probably the very first use case. You saw Roger Ver running around trying to get people to accept Bitcoin way back when. So this is like not that new of an idea. Um, so sort of a lay of the land here is the totally self-sovereign open source solution. And quite frankly, the best solution is BTC Pay Server. So we've already talked about that, but you run your own node, you have your own keys. Um, it's open source, hosted on your own computer, in the cloud, wherever you want. It's ultimately the most flexible and the most self-sovereign solution there is. So if you can run BTC Pay Server, please do that. Now, Nodeless is sort of like the next step where it's Bitcoin only, always will be. Um, and we try to mimic those uncensorable privacy, Bitcoin only principles of BTC Pay Server, even though we are running the node. So at the end of the day, since we're running the node, we do have control over what's happening in these payments. But our ethos as a company and how we've built the app is that Whenever a payment comes in, so we've accepted a payment from your app or your online store, we immediately send it to your custody, whether that's on-chain or lightning. So while we do custody it, we're trying to be more like a lightning router. So you can imagine a lightning payment as it hops through different nodes in the network. Technically, like that node is taking custody for that split second while it's hopping through the network. So we're trying to be sort of like a final hop that is accessible through an API um, or through a web app. So being more like of a router than a custodian, like you can't come to Nodeless and say, I want to withdraw. There's no option for that. The, the withdrawals happen automatically and you have to provide us with your withdrawal information upfront. Otherwise you can't receive payments. Um, so we're kind of like trying to straddle that line that yes, our node is custodying it, but it's only while the payment is in transit and we can send directly to your own custody. So in that way, suppose you're a merchant and you're signing up, you want to accept Bitcoin payments, like you have to now get a wallet before you use Nodeless. Like you can't use Nodeless as a wallet. It doesn't work that way. Um, so we're sort of promoting self-custody. We get people onto like self-sovereign, hold their own keys right off the bat. Um, and then we take privacy extremely seriously at Nodeless. Like, for example, we don't even have Google Analytics on our on our website. Like we don't do anything that can track you. We don't take your IP address. We don't even ask you for a real email address. Like you can give us a fake email and we don't validate it to see if it's if it's real. 
Um, so we take that very seriously, just trying to be as close to BTC pay server as possible and recognizing that like, you know, let's say one day the state comes knocking on our door and they're like, hey, we need this information on this person. Well, I don't have any information because I haven't tracked anything. I have nothing to give you. Um, so that's kind of like what we're trying to be like sort of right in the middle. Now, after Nodeless, you'll have products like OpenNode. Um, so they're a Bitcoin only payment processor. So they're better than sort of the other ones we'll get to because they're Bitcoin only. They have Lightning. Um, they have like, you know, great customer support, easy to set up. But of course, the drawback here is their KYC and they have to adhere to, by law, you know, restricted countries. Like I'm sure there's a whole list of countries that you cannot do business with if you're a merchant um, with OpenNode. And you don't have to res to restrict yourself to those countries? I don't because I'm not providing any custody. So as a, just like the Lightning router doesn't know what countries these payments are going in and out to, neither does Nodeless. We have no idea. Um, we're descending from one pub key to another. So that's sort of like where we're, we'll be able to differentiate ourselves and where it wasn't possible before Lightning. You know, like if you were just doing on-chain, you would need to provide that custody. But now I can instantly send the payment out. So I don't have to really custody it for more than that, like one second, which helps me get around these like restrictions. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So that's open node. And then finally, I won't spend much time. You have the shit coiners, which is the biggest, they're the, they have the biggest market share of payments right now. So you have, I don't really want to mention too many of them. Like Coinbase is one of them, but there are others where they're like, accept crypto and you know the features that they release every year is hey we added apecoin and shiba inu coin and like none of them have lightning none of them like allow you to change your network fees like some of these people you want to withdraw it's like fifty thousand sat withdrawal fee that they just set a fixed rate like they're just terrible products and they're never going to add lightning because it makes the shit coins look bad so they're just terrible um so really it's like Open node, nodeless, BTC pay server. That's kind of like the range that Bitcoiners should be looking at. Interesting. I, I like that analogy of being like a lightning router, but there's certainly a difference between being a router on the lightning network and then being a company that is just, you know, saying we're going to pass along a payment with without that guarantee that is provided by the lightning network. Can you talk about the, you know, trust trade-offs there between those two? Yeah, for sure. So you're right. It's not the same um, because at the end of the day, we're we've programmed our app to do that right now. But who's to say next year we just change the app to be like, oh, you know what? Maybe it's maybe we hold it for a day. You know, like we're a company. We can change this at any time. Um, so you have to trust us. Right. And that's not within the Bitcoin ethos. Um, but on Lightning, I will say um there is an element of trust there too. So you have to trust your channel partners to a certain extent. Um, because, you know, if, if your node goes down, they can broadcast the wrong state and take coins from you. Like that is possible um, on Lightning. So, you know, there is an element of trust there. And then, of course, on the Bitcoin chain, there's just no trust if you run your own node. That's, that's just perfect. Um, but with Lightning, you know, it's, it's weird. Like, you know, let's just take one example. Suppose a lightning payment is making its way from two people. It's hopping across the network and now it hits a Tor node and it gets stuck. 
for like a day. Who, where are those coins right now? Like who is custodying them? Because the light, the wallet that sent it doesn't have the coins anymore and the receiver never got them. So, you know, when your HTLC is stuck in flight, it's pretty unclear who's custodying it. Um, so like, I'm just talking about if I had to like say, defend myself in front of the government and they're like, no, your node is different um, than, or sorry, your company is different than a node because you custody for X amount of time. You know, I've seen plenty of examples where lightning nodes kind of failed and a payment took over a day to resolve. Um, so I'm not sure about the custody there, but certainly like if two people are running the same, are running the lightning protocol and they're following the rules of it, there is way less trust there than using a service like Nodeless. Like certainly there is an element of trust with Nodeless, um, but one way you can protect yourself is like, suppose that we did become like an evil company or something and we started like trying to take your coins. You just, you just close your account with us and we've only custodied your stuff for one minute. Like as soon as we change that, you just close your account and you can't like lose too much more than like a minute or an hour worth of payment, something like this. Right. So that's sort of the trade-off, I suppose. Right. Now, do you think this approach of trying to like mimic a lightning router and trying to pass along payments as fast as possible, do you think this realistically will eliminate the need for the KYC restrictions that are, you know, coming down on crypto companies now and are probably headed towards lightning companies soon? Or is this just kind of like a stopgap measure to, you know, you know, build out some other solution that's going to be more resilient to regulators? Sure. It's, it's a tough question. I don't really know the answer. I wish I knew exactly kind of how the government would react. So I could just tell you like sort of my plans and different scenarios. Um, so suppose it comes to a point where they're like, you, you can't run this business without KYC. Otherwise you're going to jail. Like, let's just say they, they say that to me then I'm just going to open source Nodeless and shut down the business. And then everybody can just run their own millions of different versions of Nodeless. Um, so that would sort of be that plan. Um, the second one would be, I would try to just find somewhere um, friendly to set up the business, right? So maybe in El Salvador or Costa Rica, somewhere where they want my business. Um, third is I'm sort of protected because Nodeless is a Bitcoin native business. So all the employees are paid in Bitcoin. All the expenses are in Bitcoin. So what are you going to do? Shut down my bank account? I don't even have one. So that's sort of one, another way that we're protecting ourselves. So that's kind of like the, the multi-tiered approach that we're taking to Nodeless. I'm sure like, you know, I'm from Canada. They sent open source wallets, they're like, hey, you know, freeze these assets. Like the government doesn't know what they're doing. So they're not going to be able to wrap their heads around something like Nodeless. And, you know, my defense would be, well, I hope you're going after every single lightning router too, because we're effectively doing the same thing. I have to ask now how you are operating the business entirely on Bitcoin, because I think that that's a, it's a noble goal. It's something that a lot of Bitcoin companies aspire to. But I don't know of any that are truly just Bitcoin. Like the fact that you don't have a bank account at all. I mean, you must have bills in, in some way that are, you know, server costs and things like that. These these things, you know, some of them must not be accepting Bitcoin, right? Well, you got BitRefill. You got Visa cards. Um, you have other deals through companies. So just starting on the employee side. So 
I only hire Bitcoiners and they don't have a choice. It's just you must. Um, and it's really cool just on that too. Like, so most of the employees are developers, right? And whenever they submit a PR, a pull request to like merge new code into the software, um, they get paid per pull request. So sometimes my employees get paid like three times a day. Uh, just whenever they want to get paid, basically they get paid and it's through lightning. There's no fees. And that's really cool. Um, there's other ones where it's like I've contracted through another Bitcoin company and maybe their expenses, they're going to pay, you know, Amazon or whoever um, with their fiat. But I have a contract with them to pay in Bitcoin um, and then everything else like, you know, it's just getting some Visa cards and some Amazon cards off BitRefill, you know, amazing, amazing service. And it works. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's. We were able to do it, but right now we're super small, right? There's like no expenses. We don't have any kind of tools that I don't already sort of like have personally. So, um, you know, maybe it's a bit because I'm paying for like my own computers. You know, I bought these computers with my own card, you know, maybe that wasn't Bitcoin only, but my ongoing expenses every month is all in Bitcoin. Right. What do you anticipate as being some of the bottlenecks or constraints on this Bitcoin only company strategy moving forward as you do scale up? Like where, where are you going to first run into bottlenecks or issues? Um, probably when I'm going to start to do like marketing campaigns um, and doing ad spend. Um, if I even go down that route. But I mean, my first thoughts right off the bat to do ad spend are like, you know, Bitcoin companies, or can I sponsor maybe like Guy Swan's podcast or something? Um, I'm sure he would take Bitcoin. So I don't, I do anticipate at some point we might need that, but you know, just a bit of background from me, like I own other SaaS companies as well. So Nodeless is just like a new startup. So I can always have one of my other companies like pay for Nodeless if I run into that situation. Got it. That's an interesting approach though. I, I, I'm, I admire the uh, the commitment to Bitcoin only, and I think that's very cool. And uh, I hope we have more tools that make it easier for other companies to do the same, because I know there's a lot of people out there that want to take this approach. And, you know, for one reason or another, their funding or their like even taking on venture capital funding, sometimes the VCs are giving you dollars and, and they want to give dollars and you, you have to have bank account at that point. Right. Um, and so, like, you have a few things going for you here that make this strategy um, possible. I hope that becomes more common over time. Um, that's something I myself have been thinking about. I actually had this thought about a week ago. I was like, what if I just close my bank account right now? I got charged some random fee for something. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And I'm like, what happens if I just shut it off? And I went through the process and I'm like, it, I could get by, it would be a bit of a hassle. And I decided ultimately to hold off on shutting my bank account down. But I could probably do it and just have, you know, a few extra workarounds or a few extra, you know, you have to pay this bill in a certain, maybe I have to go in person to pay a certain bill or I have to, you know, set something up through some, you know, Bitcoin bill payment service. Maybe you could do it, but uh, I think we're still right on the cusp of like it being possible. And uh, it's still like, it feels like it's again, like very hardcore Bitcoiners are willing to try that, but we are still miles away from, you know, the average person being willing to just shut down their bank account and just go, yeah, I'll just go Bitcoin only. <laughs> yeah. For the average person, uh, not to go too much of a tangent, but have you ever deleted your Google account before? 
I have not. You have no. not? Okay. So it's very similar to deleting a Google account. Like you think you can't do it, right? And then once you, if you just decide, just dive in, right? It's pretty low risk to try this, right? And then now you need a new search engine and you can't watch YouTube anymore. Like you can't use Google Meet. You will always find a way. There is always a way. And I think for a, at least a hardcore Bitcoiner, if you're armed at least with bit refill, like you can't do this without bit refill. You need that. But I think you could like 95% of everything you want to do in your life, except like maybe your mortgage slash rent. That's like the big one. You have to like orange pill your landlord. But right. like if you could just do that and then you have um, bit refill and then you use like bull Bitcoin or their bills product, like. It's doable, I think, right now. But you're absolutely right. Like regular folks can't do it, but hardcore Bitcoiners should just try it for like one month. See how far you get. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just a quick message from our sponsor, Voltage. Voltage empowers engineers to integrate Bitcoin and Lightning Network payments into their business stack with an enterprise-grade experience. The team at Voltage is building the complete tool set so that you can do more than simply spin up nodes, but also understand and interpret your nodes' data. Their new product, Surge, gives engineers the capability to quickly solve problems and optimize operations. With node insights and visibility through time series data, you get dynamic and complex insights never available before. You can get complete control with insanely fast onboarding, advanced client-side encryption, and zero management infrastructure, making backups, networking, and upgrades simple. Get a free seven-day trial today at Voltage.cloud. Yeah. I have taken that approach with other things where whenever I bump into a subscription or something that I'm not sure about deleting, or I just, I feel weird about getting rid of it. And I think mm, I might be able to use that in the future. I just get rid of it for a month. And then if I really need it, I can just turn it back on. Like I cut out Amazon recently. This is again in the last week or so thinking through some of these things. I was just like, I'll just go a month without Amazon prime. If I need it, I'll turn it back on after. That's okay. right. Yeah. And I haven't needed it so far. So um, anyways, Let's get back to Nodeless and chat about a couple more features you guys offer. Um, one thing that I thought was particularly interesting was this combination address, which is a paywalled email, a lightning address, and a NIP05 identification all in one. Talk to me about why you decided to build that and what it might unlock. Sure. Yeah. So we call that a Nodeless address. Um, I haven't seen another address that does this, um, but we all, we've all been dealing with this for like 20 years now, at least the old fogies like me is your emails always eventually just get spammed to hell. Um, and sometimes you just got to delete one, make a new one. You automatically, it's like forbidden for putting your email address on a website or something, right? Then it's just nuked. So having a paywalled, um, email is something that can just immediately get rid of that. Um, where if you want to send an email to me, you got to pay me some amount of Bitcoin and it doesn't, you don't have to try to make money off this. You know, you could put it like, you know, 10 Satoshis just to, just to prevent bots from being able to reach you. Um, so I feel like this idea has sort of like been around for a while. Um, but just again, with lightning, you can now do this in a cost-effective way. You don't have to wait for blocks to confirm before you receive an email. Like all of this stuff can happen instantly over Lightning. Um, so that's kind of the idea behind it is that 
you can now use public, you could put your email on your website and know that you're not going to get a single spam email or like if you did, at least you got paid um, for them to right. deliver that. Um, and then of course, like having the lightning address in there as well. Like there are plenty of providers of lightning addresses and a lot of them are a lot better than what we provide, especially like if you want to use Noster and get zaps, like we don't offer zaps through our lightning address, but what ours does that's really cool is we can do liquidity swaps. So let's say, let's say you're very famous on Noster, okay? And you have a million sats now in your Albi wallet. How do you get those into your cold storage, right? You can't do it through GetAlbi. You probably have to like send it to your wallet of Satoshi and then send it out and then they have fees and minimums. So what you could also do is just send it to your nodeless address. And if on-chain is your default method, then we will just automatically withdraw that to you on-chain. So we handled the swap for you and you can just use your lightning address with us to do that. Um, and then the Nippo 5 is just, you know, I love Noster, you know, I'm on the pleb chain here. Um, so I just, I had to do it, you know, just playing around with the system. So we just kind of threw that in there and a couple people have used it. And if you're on Noster and I see that nodeless uh, Nippo 5, you might get a huge zap from me. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the paywalled email idea. Is is it entirely functional as an email? Like I can send and receive emails from and to and from any client. It's not just like a, a nodeless product that's nodeless to nodeless emails. So you can't, we don't give you like, let's say POP3 and SMTP credentials where you could put it in your own like uh, Thunderbird or Outlook or anything like that. What we're doing is we're kind of like a middleware. So... I try to send to your Gmail, Nodeless intercepts it and says, okay, pay me, right? So once we receive that payment, then we'll be like, okay, then I'll send it to your Gmail. Oh, so you're connecting to my Gmail address. You're just like tying the Nodeless address to the Gmail address and saying, if anyone tries to reach the Gmail, make sure they first send a payment to the Nodeless. That's right. I'm forwarding. I'm forwarding the email to, to your own Gmail and then you can deal with it from there. Very cool. Do you think we'll see any native emails like email clients come out and say set up your email everything by default is paid or you know you can toggle it on and off for your contacts or whatever but where where you get the full native functionality of email with lightning payments included um i could see that but if as I'm thinking about that, as you're mentioning it, I'm like, God, I hope Noster replaces email because email is just getting too old now. And, you know, it's so much easier to use Lightning and Bitcoin in the Noster context than using these like old POP3 protocols, which, you know, you can't attach zaps to and stuff like that. So I'm not really sure, but I would like to see that. I would like to see Noster do that, frankly. Okay, so you think you think maybe more likely is an email replacement built on Noster that kind of does, you know, I, I guess it could do everything that email does, right? You could eventually get synced up calendars and photo attachments and things like that through through a Noster version of email, right? Absolutely. I mean, those can just be different types of events or it's just the protocol all agrees. If you format data in such a way, then this is a calendar. Like, so it could go pretty much any which way. And now that you're just mentioning that, I'm thinking like, okay, well, suppose you suppose you send an email to me in my paywalled email. Maybe instead of only forwarding it to your Gmail, I can also convert it to a Noster note, send you a DM to your endpub. 
Mm. You know, like we could do that or I could send it to your telegram or wherever you want to send it actually. Um, there we shit, go. Maybe I should have wrote that down. <laughs> yeah. You're cooking now. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. That that's all very cool. Um, I hope people check that out. Uh, I know you also have a couple other features that are somewhat related. Uh, you have paywalled content and donations. Talk to me about how those work and how those interact with or, or compete with other products in the lightning ecosystem. I know there is, there is mash that has their own tool set, uh, various kind of plugins you can use in your website. I know Albi has a WordPress plugin and a couple others. Uh, where do you fit in, in that ecosystem with your paywalled content and your donations? Well, that's very, for the paywalled content, that's very easy to start. We forked from Albi, right? So Albi are the OGs. Okay, we just forked it so that it works with our service because um, Albi right now works with Albi service. Um, so I, I hope that's a quick and, you know, shout out Albi. They did amazing work. It's an amazing product. So why would we rebuild something when they made a better one already? Um, so that's our paywall content for WordPress, but it goes beyond just WordPress. So you can access our paywall through an API. You don't have to use WordPress. It will, use, it will work with whatever platform you want. So basically you can configure, maybe you want to pay well, just like a download um, or a piece of content. Maybe you just want to like write an article. You don't have a WordPress page, um, but you just want like somewhere where we can host the article for you and have a paywall. Um, so think of like maybe something like a sub stack. You want to do something along those lines. Um, Nodeless can provide that service to you. Uh, that's actually, we only have it in the API. Our front end is not done with that yet, but that's going to be there in like probably one or two weeks. Um, and then the donation page. So right now there are a few options for you. So you can go again, the best one is BTC pay server where you could just have a static donation page. Let's say I'm like utxo.one slash donate. You know, if you ever go to that static page, you can donate whatever amount you want to me. So we want to, give that to anybody as well. So you could create your own static donation page. It'll be like nodeless.io slash donate slash Kevin, let's say. Um, and then you can, you can put that on your website and your email signature, your Noster profile. You can kind of put that anywhere and get donations at any time. Um, and then same thing, like every single, every single payment module that we build in Nodeless comes with a corresponding API and webhook system to go with it. So if you don't want to you if you don't want us to host it, you just want us to be the payment gateway, but you effectively want to do the same thing, but on your own app, you'll always have programmatic access to like build that out. And that's really where we hope Nodeless will go. You know, it can't our company is very small. We don't have any funding, right? We're not going to be able to hire like a hundred developers to make amazing stuff. But it turns out there are thousands of Bitcoin developers out there. Um, so let's just give them tools and let them build the stuff, you know, and we'll just sort of handle the payments and be hyper focused on making that as easy as possible and making sure like our node is the fastest node and it can always has liquidity. Um, just like doing that as best as possible is sort of like our focus with Nodeless. Um, but in terms of like features, sorry, just one one extra feature is uh, we are going to launch a competitor to Geyser as well. So not that there's anything wrong with Geyser. They are amazing and they're so good that there's nobody else like willing to compete with them. So in our view, you know, competition is good. So we're kind of going after it 
just for that purpose. Just, you know, we'll both sharpen each other and become better products because there's at least one person chasing you. Right. I want to talk a bit about the API and just give people an idea of like what this API means to your business, like how, how impactful it might be. What are some of those use cases that you imagine people using your API for? Sure. So the biggest use case by a wide margin is going to be in e-commerce. So we have, we have an easy to use, you know, WooCommerce plugin that it's using the API, but we've sort of like, um, we've already built the integration for you for WooCommerce, but there are millions of e-commerce sites out there. And many of them are sort of in-house built, custom built solutions. So from that perspective, that's how the vast majority of people are going to be using our API is through their e-commerce stores. Um, so this would be people building stores on things like Shopify and Squarespace and Webflow and things like that. That's exactly right. Now we are working on our own plugins for that as well. Um, but certain people will not want to use our plugins. They'll, they have their own custom systems. Um, so that's sort of like the, biggest use case that I can anticipate right now. But like I said, everything, every single one of our payment modules does has an a, does has an, have an API. So for example, you can imagine, let's say you want to create a support ticket system. Um, but, and people can email like support at yourcompany.com to automatically open a ticket. We're all familiar with this kind of flow. But if you actually have run a business that has the help desk and you have to manage tickets, you'll know most of what you get in there is spam and nonsense. Um, or people, they're like, they're too lazy to spend five seconds looking through your frequently asked questions or your help. Like, so they just send you an email. Hey, my, my account doesn't work. And they don't give you any information, nothing, right? That's a lot of what that is. But now if it's like, okay, you can open a support ticket with us, but you have to pay like, 5,000 sats, like $1 or something. Maybe people suddenly will, okay, maybe I'll look at the FAQ before I open a ticket if I'm going to have to spend $1, right? Mm -hmm. So it could really make customer support a lot cheaper. Like, I think that's a cool idea. And you could build that with our API very easily through the Nodeless address uh, webhook. So that's kind of like one just idea. I'm sure there are so many. There's no way I can anticipate all of them, but I want to make it easy for those ideas to be able to incorporate Bitcoin and Lightning just like immediately with very little effort. Yeah, it feels like an idea like that is ripe for, you know, being built. Like we're, we're basically, we basically have the Lightning infrastructure to do it. Any company could offer this along, they could even offer it alongside their existing support channels, right? Like I could be running a company that has normal support and then I have premium support. And the premium support is a dollar in Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, you, you pay and you get, you know, uh, 15 minute, you know, round time support tickets solved. Um, if you don't, you maybe you're waiting a few hours. I think that could be like a realistic. It's kind of how, you know, I think about how uh, grocery stores in Canada have begun charging. They've turned their bags into a product. I don't know if you noticed that, but grocery stores in Canada now I think they charge like 25 cents to a dollar, depending on the type of bag. I think there was a mandate from the government that they had to charge a minimum of five cents at some point, but they've since expanded that and now have taken it on their own to give you either a paper bag at 25 cents or like a, uh, you get this like nylon-ish bag for a dollar. 
And and that's now like a meaningful, it's got to be a meaningful contributor to their revenue and to their profit because the bag doesn't cost much. They already have razor thin margins. So I look at like a, uh, you know, any online business that has relatively thin margins and, and has high support volume could all of a sudden like really add a meaningful percentage of their revenue in just pro support or like premium support. Um, I, you know, I'm looking at a lot of the the big banks and the big telecom providers, the ones that are like notorious for being slow on support. And, you know, I don't, I don't expect them to be fast at adopting new technology because they are so slow on support, but those are the kinds of people that I think could really benefit from an idea like that. Are there any other interesting use cases for applying this like pay to message system that you think might make good business models for any founders or interested builders listening to this call? We've talked about email and we've talked about pro or premium support. Anything else comes to mind? Um, maybe there's for people just like wanting to do consulting, let's say. Um, so, you know, I run into this a lot. I'm always happy to give people support for free, but if you come on to Noster and you have a question about lightning or you're, you know, you're um, maybe you lost some coins or you think you lost some coins, you need help recovering it. Like I'll usually help you if you try to DM me, but maybe I can just say, you know what? Email recovery at UTXO, whatever. The fee is 50,000 and I'll give you an hour of my time and provide you with support. Um, and maybe there's some kind of other like... Um, just direct upload things. So if instead of having to log into a website and submit, let's say a press release, okay? I could just maybe email press at mediacompany.com and whatever's in my email, as long as I've paid the fee, it just automatically posts. Um, so there might be, or you could say the same thing for Noster, you know, like as soon as a Noster event goes through and a payment happens and you can use the API to trigger some other integration to go off. Um, so it's, I mean, I'm not sure people, people use APIs in the most creative, unexpected ways. Um, so I don't, I don't really have other things off the top of my head in terms of messaging. But what I do know is anything where like a value transfer happens. So take that same example, we're in an airport, you know, everybody gets onto airport Wi-Fi, but maybe there's this premium one where I just stream sats for every minute I use premium Wi-Fi. Um, and that's now actually possible because there's virtually no cost to do those transactions. So I could see everywhere, instead of like aggregating data, like right now I'll pay 10 bucks a month for whatever subscription, even if I've only used it like three times that month, maybe we'll get, well, I only pay for what I use, which is like what AWS does and like pay per API call. I think probably that is the route people will go and it will just get way more efficient uh, across the board because of technologies like this. Right. And it hopefully will eliminate the need for people to manually make transactions one after another after another and kind of like have some background system that recognizes your budget or recognizes a certain limit and is, is going to just process payments behind the scenes without you interacting with it. Um, as long as it like coincides with whatever budget you've set. Um, but, you know, you talked about Noster just there. And um, I, I know there's some really cool stuff being built on Noster. And I see you have your your Noster chain. Uh, I believe you were at Nostarica in 
you know, just a, a week or two ago. Have you learned anything new about Nostr from that experience? Anything, anything that you want to share with folks about like where you think Nostr might be headed? Okay, sure. Well, I, I can't help but smile. I mean, I loved Nostra Rica. It was awesome. Um, not really because of like learning new things at the presentations, although the presentations were great. Um, I was just like, you know, I'm also just very up to speed sort of on what's going on because I just love Nostra so much. But what I really learned is the Nostriches, these are my people, you know, and they're very, everybody's very different too. You know, they all range, there's a huge range. You, know, you go on Twitter and they make you think that you're like in this party, you're in this like group of people that all like think the same way. But then you go to somewhere like Nostra Rica and you see you get along with everyone, you like everyone there, but everyone's so different, have different beliefs they just believe in those core things, you know, about like human freedom and no censorship like that is something that hopefully everybody can agree on. So anyway, that's the, the main thing that I learned is like, these are my people. Now, what I'm excited about on Noster is not the social media stuff. Um, you know, social media is cool and whatever, but, you know, like most people are not being censored on Twitter and Facebook, you know, like it's right. pretty much Bitcoiners. <laughs> um, I'm excited about things like hosting WikiLeaks on Noster. Um, I'm excited about Chinese people speaking out against the CCP on Noster or in Iran. Um, I'm more excited, at least from a social media standpoint, I'm very excited to see what, what happens there. Cause we saw like the Arab Springs on Facebook, you know, and that was on a censored platform. And we still saw kind of crazy stuff happen. And we've seen like the bad stuff happen in Myanmar as well. Um, so double-edged sword. But I'm kind of like, I'm interested to see, does this actually have a tangible effect on human freedom where it is needed? You know, like I love memeing about, you know, Canada not having freedom, this and that. But this is still, you know, one of the best countries to live in in the world. I'm not worried about being abducted by the government or anything, you know. Um and there are people that really deal with stuff like that. So can Noster actually have an impact on the people who need it most? Um, that's kind of on the human side. But on the technology side, I'm interested in the other stuff. You know, like at uh, Nostra Rica, Ben Ark went through his new marketplace that he's building there. And that would be amazing. You know, we saw the Silk Road. Not that I'm like condoning people buying drugs and hiring hitmen on the Silk Road. Okay, I don't. Um, but who's this, it's not up to the government, in my view, to do prohibition of whatever, you know, like that's on human beings to decide what they want to buy and not buy. So I can see Noster being a real decentralized marketplace that absolutely cannot be shut down the same way that um, the Silk Road did and how Tor has sort of like failed in that respect. Um, so I'm very interested in seeing kind of all of this other stuff that's not related. And sort of like, I guess one third really quick point is just overall. So I'm a, I'm sort of more of a backend developer where I do like databases and servers and this kind of thing. So now I'm asking myself things like, even on Nodeless, it's like, should I host my own database or should I just have use relays? Um, you know, does it make it easier for me to, you know, hook into other systems if they, if I can just give them access to my relay instead of like building an API? So I don't really know how that's going to play out and if it is more efficient. Um, 
But I think there will be instances where it is, where it does make sense to just not build an API, just host your data on a relay and then only allow certain key pairs to access the relay. So I'm, I'm pretty interested to see if people are going to go down that road. Hmm. That is interesting. Um, one thing that I have been seeing more of lately, and this is in the wake of uh, Paxful being suspended yesterday, is a need for, you know, more robust peer-to-peer Bitcoin markets. And just, just the ability to, because we only have a very small percentage of the world onboarded to, to Bitcoin, having a non-zero Bitcoin balance today, there is still quite a long runway where exchanges are going to be valuable. At, at some point, they, they won't be, or they'll kind of be like, you know, what, what foreign exchange, you know, little kiosks are today where you're only swapping on occasion, but generally you, you, everyone has, and, you know, holds Bitcoin. And at that point, maybe this isn't as important, but we're still in the infancy of Bitcoin. And with, we've, we've seen shutdowns in centralized exchanges. We've seen banking shutdowns, uh, with banks affiliated with crypto or Bitcoin businesses. Um, we've now seen Paxful shut down and all, all, you know, not to say that everything is perfectly, it, it's, it's not all related to the same issues. There are, there are a wide variety of issues that are affecting these services, um, but they are being shut down. Um, and we've seen like a string of shutdowns in, in recent months. I wonder, is, is there, can we use the zap functionality on Noster? to build out peer-to-peer Bitcoin markets? Is this something, is this like a, a killer app for Noster where, where it could come in and replace some of these other peer-to-peer markets or even centralized uh, Bitcoin markets? Yeah, I think, I think that will happen. I wish I could just tell you exactly, okay, from the protocol, you do this, that, and the other, and then boom, you have it. Like, I don't know the steps, but I know for a fact that the ingredients are there. Um, and a lot of it is just like, like Lightning could already sort of do that. Like Lightning has light escrow-esque functions with like HODL invoices as an example. So I know that very smart Bitcoiners are going to come up with a way to um, to do peer-to-peer exchanges on Noster. But I don't know. So like, for example, on RoboSats, right, which is a great service. If you haven't used RoboSats, you have to try it once because... For a lot of people, you might switch off your KYC exchange to do RoboSats because it's very easy. Um, and it's just very cool. You feel it's very cypherpunk to use that product. Um, so anyway, um, you might have things like just a mix where, yes, there is this marketplace here, but maybe you can't, maybe you're sort of like a whale. You know, you can't, you don't want to send like $10,000 to a stranger, but you're willing to like risk a $500 Amazon card or something along these lines. So I don't I don't really know sort of how that's going to look, but I know that people are already working on that and I see there there is no chance that that won't happen where you know you have something like RoboSats and Bisc and now they have like Peach Bitcoin um, where you just don't rely on banks, you know, it's either through labor or some sort of other good, even if it's a financial good, like a gift card that I see more and more Bitcoin, you know, going in that direction for sure. Makes sense. Um, okay. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about not nodeless the product, but nodeless the company and the business. And 
you know, one of the first things that comes to mind is BTC Pay Server, I believe, is run by uh, entirely by donations yes. and grants and things like that. It's community effort. Is that the path you're planning to take with Nodeless? I know you mentioned you have some SaaS businesses already. You have you're able to kind of bootstrap some level of funding to to you know get it off the ground. But what do you think about when you think you know long term? How do you fund this project? What is the right funding mechanism? Is does VC money make sense at all? Uh, you know, can you bootstrap this forever? If you can, you generate enough cash flow to kind of keep the business alive at scale? What are your thoughts? Sure. So there's a few things in there. So Nodeless earns money by taking a transaction fee on every transaction that flows through. So our pricing model is 100 sats plus one percent. Um, of all transactions. Now, pretty sure that this business model will work because we see other businesses have similar models um, in a similar price range. You know, like we're way cheaper than a credit card, for example, and we don't have like dispute fees and chargebacks and all that nonsense. Um, but with enough volume and certainly like the amount of payments that go through e-commerce, like I just saw a report the other day that in 2026, there will be $7.5 trillion worth of payments globally happening on e-commerce. You know, like, of course, Amazon is probably like half of that. Amazon Alibaba is probably like half of that. But still, we're talking about incredible amounts of volume here. So if you're earning 1% on a very small sliver of that, you can have a healthy business. Um, so that's what we're hoping for. In terms of like, Am I capable of bootstrapping this? So I am trying to raise money right now. I've had a few discussions with VCs, um, but I need quite a bit. So it's like if I can bootstrap through the cash flow in my other businesses at a small scale, you know, like I can hire a few people, do marketing campaigns, maybe do like trade shows, like little things like that. But let's say, and what this business needs, because this is really a B2B business, right? I'm trying to onboard e-commerce stores. Um, realistically, I'm probably going to need a sales team, right? And sales teams are very expensive and they don't pay for themselves right away. Um, so if I, if I was able to raise money, that's, I would try to like get there quick, quicker. Um, but I do think absolutely this is bootstrappable as well. So either way, whether I get funding or not, um, I think Nodeless has legs. Um, I'm willing to invest in it because I think, I think Bitcoin you know, maybe the next 10 years, we sort of, the, our first 14 years is proving, is this a reasonable store of value? Well, we've been ripping upwards nonstop for 14 years straight. You know, I think that is clear. Now the question is, can we become a medium of exchange? And this is, this is where Nodeless is really going to focus. Like if you were to say like, what is the vision or what is the one thing that Nodeless is all about? It's medium of exchange. Very cool. Now I have to ask about the uh, the pricing model for transactions. You said it was 100 sats plus one percent. That is, it it kind of mirrors in a way the uh, the the pricing model that someone like Visa or Mastercard might use, where often you see like 2.9 percent plus 30 cents. Yes. But now that 30 cents is also what what makes Visa and Mastercard and some of these payment processors not able to do micropayments because when you're dealing with payment a dollar or something a dollar plus if you have a 30 cent fee you've lost 30 percent of your business right there 
So what what's the reasoning for the 100 sats there? I know it's a much lower amount than 30 cents, but is that still, is that necessary to have that fixed component? You know, when lightning can, lightning payments can scale down to like a single sat. Sure. So it is our hope to keep this within, you know, in fiat terms, like one or two cents, something like this, because there is a data cost for all of these lightning transactions, you know, like right now on Noster, everyone sees these like billions of zaps, but these are not the people who are paying for relays. People who pay for relays know that those zaps are expensive and it's not worth one Satoshi to store a JSON note forever that has one Satoshi in it. Like it's not worth it. Um, so we're kind of like, we do micro transaction. We just don't do nano transactions. You know, like if you want to send pennies around that use wallet of Satoshi or get Albi or something, they're great for that. Um, but I, we can't really see a product where you're like selling something for a half a penny on your e-commerce store. Like, I just don't see that happening. So we're trying to sort of like avoid that, those nano transactions that aren't worth it. Cause we do have a cost to store this data forever. And we do plan to store this data for like these transactions. I have to know, was this lightning paid? Yes or no. Um, so we have to store that. So that's really like the reasoning behind it. But we're hoping at this point, you know, 100 sats is not a lot. That's, I don't know. That's like two cents or something. You know, yeah. we're not exactly getting rich off of that. We're just kind of like preventing spammy transactions. And let's say Bitcoin goes up 100 times. Like I'll move that down to 10 sats or whatever is reasonable. It's always going to be relative to the cost of like data storage and infrastructure. Right. Okay. So there is some fixed component. I think that's, that's an important point to touch on that, you know, I like to talk about how lightning can, can scale down to zero, but as you get very, very close to zero, you're going to incur some payment costs. And so that's what you're, you're saying. That's what your uh, fixed fee is for, which is understandable. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a bit about the point you just made about becoming a medium of exchange. And, and that being like the vision for Nodeless. Yes. What are the big constraints right now that you see preventing Bitcoin from becoming a medium of exchange? Sure. The number one thing by a large margin, in my view, is merchant acceptance, is that you cannot, most people do not accept Bitcoin in their business. And a lot of it is because it's too hard. It's too annoying, or there's not enough people just going after them. You know, like some people have told me before, they're like, oh, there's plenty of other companies that are like trying to offer payments and you know that's great but does every merchant know about those businesses like if there's just like let's say a hundred companies like me like nodeless or like open node or whoever um and we all have our own sales teams like this is good for bitcoin and there should be more of us doing it like certainly i can't build one company that's going to reach every merchant that's just never going to happen um so by a huge margin like not only is that limiting medium of exchange, but it's also hurting like store of value adoption. These are loops that work together. You know, if no coiners go into every store and they keep seeing over and over again, it's like save 5% when you pay with Bitcoin, they're only going to be able to look at that so many times before they're like, you know what? I need some Bitcoin because I want to save 5%. Like that's it. It could just be totally selfish incentive. Um, or just like the fact that it is available in every store that might make people be like, okay, I am willing to, you know, buy a little bit of Bitcoin because it seems like it's pretty normal. It's not just this weird thing that my crazy conspiracy uncle is always talking about. Right. Yeah. 
Is that kind of a discount something that you could offer through your WooCommerce plugin? Like you could make it so that any store that is using Nodeless could at the click of a button turn on like 5% discounts if you pay in Bitcoin? Yes, that is possible through WooCommerce itself. It's not our plugin that does that, but WooCommerce itself can do something like that. Yes. Um, and in my own SaaS businesses, that's what I do. I always offer a discount for people to pay in Bitcoin. Very cool. All right. Well, this was a very informative discussion. I appreciate you walking me through the business and how it you know, compares and differs from other products in the space. Uh, I want to finish this off with a segment I do at the end of every show. It's called the lightning round. I've got a few rapid fire questions for you. Let's do it. Are you ready? Let's go. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just a quick message from our sponsor, Stackwork. Stackwork is a lightning powered platform for generating high quality transcripts of all your audio or video content. They combine AI engines and hundreds of human workers all over the world who are paid over the lightning network to assemble these transcripts. And that's what lets Stackwork create better, faster, and less expensive transcripts. To see the results for yourself, you can check out my personal website where I host transcripts for all my podcast episodes. If you want to learn more about Stackwork, visit stackwork.com. That is S-T-A-K work.com. All right. First one. Is there any book that has meaningfully changed your view of the world? Uh, 1984. Okay. I was going to say Bitcoin standard, but I had to go 1984. If you could change one thing about the Lightning Network, what would you change? Um... A static, the way static backups work and that you have to have one. Otherwise, you're like pretty much going to lose your coins. Yeah, we got to get a better solution than that. If you could only hold one asset for the next decade and it could not be Bitcoin, what asset would it be? Uh, Algorand. No, I'm just <laughs> definitely not Algorand. Um, it would be, it would probably be a house in like uh, El Salvador or Costa Rica or something like that. Okay. Um, if you could offer one piece of advice for founders coming from the background that you have, having built a number of SaaS apps before, what is that piece of advice for, for new builders that are entering the Lightning ecosystem? Uh, just keep building. Like, even if you have no traction, just keep, keep building and keep going. Yeah. Love it. And then finally, who's one person that you would like to give a shout out to in the Bitcoin or Lightning community for doing great work? I would like to give a shout out to uh, my boy Rockstar at BTC Pay Server. I mean, this guy was a pioneer of BTC Pay Server, and then he went on to build Strike, um, do their whole engineering, and they're doing great things for Bitcoin. So have to give a shout out to my boy Rockstar. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, before you go, where can listeners go to learn more about you and your work? Sure. Well, please check out nolist.io. You know, you can sign up. It's absolutely free to sign up. Just poke around, play with it. That would be great. Um, and then to reach me personally, uh, find me on Noster. So my Nippo 5 is UTXO at nodelist.io. So you should, any client, you should be able to find me from there. Um, don't bother following me on Twitter. That is a shit coin. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much again for the time. I uh, hope we can do it again soon. Great. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. In the last seven days, you guys sent in 9,955 sats. That came in from 18 different supporters. Let's run through some of the top comments of the week. 
we have a number of comments here. Uh, we have Bon who said, epic boost in response to stacking stats number one with Joe Martin. We have Armstress sent in a thousand sats talking about how Noster is analogous to Python, which is important to understand uh, how development will evolve. He says, Python doesn't claim to be the fastest or the most efficient for many things, but it's so accessible and so flexible that it attracts builders. And he's comparing that to how Noster will be the same. This is in response to episode 103 with Pablo F7Z. Check that one out if you have not already listened to it. We have an anonymous user who said visionary in response to, again, Pablo F7Z. He is quite knowledgeable on Noster. So if you're interested in that, definitely give that episode a listen. P2X sent 5,000 sats to the same episode and said very enlightening and useful for those who think about starting something on Noster. Well put. Thank you for the boost. We have an anonymous user who said, nice and interesting podcast. Thanks in response to Stacking Stats 1 with Joe Martin. We had great episode from Sir Fable. We have great episode with a fire emoji from Joe Martin on episode 103. Um, we had Common Sense who said, great episode, Kevin. Helping find the good stuff in a world filled with noise in response to Stacking Stats 1 with Joe Martin. Kepford says, keep up these episodes. We need more people using these tools. This is in response to Stacking Stats 2 with Arnold Hubach. So I've had two different episodes talking about people using Bitcoin tools and apps to stack stats. I've got another one coming out shortly. Uh, Nomu95 said, Kevin, all your content is interesting and valuable, whether or not this show or your other one. My personal preference is that your content is all in one place, but I appreciate use case pods are different than technical content pods. I'll be listening either way. I appreciate the support. That means a lot. And then we had a couple comments from Mary Oscar sending some test transactions. Sounds like he is working some, on something new at Fountain. Thank you to everyone who's been contributing to the show. Can't wait to see what you guys send in this week. And keep out an eye, keep an eye out for another episode of Stacking Sats coming in the next couple of days. <laughs> <laughs>